Uh, I have some great news to give you this morning on our search for our next worship pastor. Do you want to hear it? Or wait till next week? What do you think? <laughs> we have been in a process since last fall. Uh, we posted the position in a few spots, hit all the contacts that we knew to hit. We reached out to a lot of different uh, people that we know for names and, and uh, ideas. And in the end, we had 11 different people submit uh, their names for the position. We had a group of people from our worship arts team that were involved in the process as well, because they're the ones who are going to be working with this person most closely. Uh, helping us, uh, that team helped us interview. They helped us uh, pray about this person and uh, ultimately helped us in our, in our decision process. And uh, I'm pleased that I can uh, be out here on the stage this morning and tell you with confidence that I truly believe that, that God literally spoke to the right person and uh, caused this person to, to step forward and, uh, and present themselves, present their name for this position. I believe that uh, this person is called uh, of God to, to Moncton Wesleyan Church to serve us as our worship pastor. Very, very excited about that. He's from Moncton. Can you imagine? He grew up here in Moncton. His family lives here. He is a highly regarded musician in Atlanta, Canada. He's, he does something that I can't do. He speaks French <laughs> fluently. Uh, he loves Jesus, and he's very excited about joining our team and being our worship pastor. So we'll throw his picture. He's not here this morning. We'll throw his picture up on the screen. Mark Jolicoeur. So there's Mark and Esther and Noel and Grace and uh, their family, and uh, they're excited. Some of you know Mark, and uh, they are excited about joining us. And uh, so thank you all for praying for us in this process. Uh, he'll be starting in the office in mid-February, and then he'll be uh, starting to lead worship uh, later in March, and he'll kind of do an overlap with Farron, who's been doing a fantastic job. And... Uh, yeah. So God has brought us some, some heavy equipment to the, 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 the church here at Moncton Westland and several of our, several of our, our new staff, uh, I, I refer to them not heavy, but heavy equipment, you know what I mean? And uh, some of you are, are heavy equipment and you're here to help us really uh, dig in and do some great things for, for Christ. So we're excited about that. Well, we're kicking off a new series today on the book of Daniel. The series is called ROAR, and ROAR is, is an acronym for some of the themes that we see in the book of Daniel. So we're going to put the acronym up here. Here it is. Uh, we see resisting temptation in the book of Daniel. We see overcoming obstacles, and we see a refusing to bow in the book of Daniel. So if you're following along, that's R-O-A. Our, get it, right? Roar. Okay, there it is. There it is. And uh, because the world, your world and my world, is full of kings and furnaces and lions that are looking to have you and me for lunch, that are looking to have us for lunch. But, but we serve the Lion of Judah. So don't be a pussycat. Okay? You, you need to learn how to, how to roar in the face of these things. You need to learn how to, how to resist. We need to learn how to overcome. And we need to learn how to refuse to bow to these things. So, so resisting and overcoming and refusing. 
couple of disclaimers on the front end of this. Uh, I am not Beth Moore. And uh, if, if, if you know who she is, one of the greatest Bible teachers on the planet who has done an epic series on the book of Daniel. So that's one. Uh, the next one is that we're only doing the first six books, first, first six chapters of Daniel. So we're not doing the prophecy. I'm sorry about that. Nadine, did I? Sorry. I, it's the baby she's expecting. Now everybody knows Nadine. I just told the whole church. Um, <laughs> Hope it wasn't a secret. Don't tell the pastor anything. <laughs> We're only doing the first six chapters. We're not doing the prophecy side of Daniel. In this series, someday we might do a prophecy series, but this is not that day. All right, you okay? But this is yes. All right. It's the year 605 B.C., and Jehoiakim is king of Judah, and he is not doing a very good job. And Daniel tells us that God allowed, God allowed Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, to siege Jerusalem, to completely plunder it, to take sacred objects out of the temple, to uh, gather up as many people as he wanted, to herd them like, like animals and, uh, out of Jerusalem and take all of that back to Babylon. Jerusalem couldn't stand against an earthly king because they weren't serving their heavenly king, and neither will you. You won't be able to stand against an earthly king if you're not serving your heavenly king. And Daniel wants us to know that the reason this happened, God allowed it to happen because the people just weren't following God. You're an easy target when you stop following Jesus. So they fell because they weren't following. And so will you. If you don't follow, you'll fall. And we can convince ourselves that our sin doesn't have any consequences or that if nobody sees it, then it's, then it's okay, it doesn't hurt anything, or that it might be wrong for somebody else, but God and I have worked out the special deal and it's okay for only me. Just this once, or maybe twice, but it's okay for me, but, but maybe not for other people. And we're kidding ourselves. And if you keep doing that, eventually your world will be hit by Babylon in the night. And there will be ruins everywhere. Daniel was about 15 years old when Nebuchadnezzar hauls him off to Babylon. And we, we, we see the story of Daniel and, and three of his closest friends. Daniel was a contemporary with uh, other uh, biblical figures like Ezekiel. He probably knew Ezekiel quite well and Jeremiah. He probably heard Jeremiah speak in Jerusalem. In that culture at that time in history, when a nation fell to another nation... The way that people interpreted that was that, well, we, it must be that their God, small g, is, is bigger than our God, small g. That's the, that's the way that people kind of looked at that stuff. And so it was quite common for people to jump gods and to say, oh, you, you beat us, you won, you conquered us, and so I'm going to leave whatever God I was following, and I'm going to... I'm going to come over to your side and believe in your God because your God must be, must be stronger. My God must be weak. Your God must be awesome. And so Daniel's faith, Daniel doesn't do this because his faith is in the God of Israel and his faith was not based on his circumstances. It was based on God's character. And that, we have to be so careful with that to that our, that our faith meter doesn't go up and down with how our lives are going. 
And if, and if it's all good and, and everything's perfect and our faith meter's really high, but as soon as we get hit with some hard stuff, our, our faith meter goes really low. We need to be careful with that. And so Daniel didn't do that, okay? His, 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 his faith was not based on his circumstances. His faith was based on God's character. He's God. He's the one and only capital G God. He's God if Jerusalem thrives and we all live in the land of plenty and he's still God if even if even if he allows my life to get hauled off into slavery by a foreign king on a power trip you see Daniel knows how to be an overcomer under pressure how to be an overcomer under pressure and we haven't been carried off but boy we've been carried away we get carried away and culture and pressure and temptation and life can carry us away, far away from where we know that we're supposed to be. And it, and it usually starts subtle. A lot of small kings with small kingdoms. And we have to make these daily decisions between Jesus and Babylon. Jesus and Babylon. Which God am I going to serve? Welcome back, Nadine. So that's the setting. Let's pick it up in verse 6 of Daniel chapter 1. Verse 6 of Daniel chapter 1. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff, Nebuchadnezzar's chief of staff, renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. And he asked the chief of staff for, for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine if you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age. I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Please test us, he says, for 10 days on a diet of veggies and water, Daniel said. And at the end of the 10 days, See how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then, make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only veggies instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, 
He found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the, of the reign of King Cyrus. Four young people raised under God and suddenly thrust into a foreign world where their faith is challenged. Sounds like college. Sounds like university. That's what it sounds like. Sounds like coming out of the warm, safe environment of youth ministry, and we have a phenomenal youth ministry led by that guy right there, Drew Donovan. It sounds like coming out of the warm, safe environment of youth ministry and your, your world that, that, that for years has been centered around, around church and the missions trips and what all your, your, your friends are doing in the youth ministry and then you're ripped out of that environment because you can't stay there forever and there's this crazy, wackadoodle, foreign world, right, out there that, that does not share your values and they serve other gods, small g, and you have to, you have to decide pretty quick if, if you're going to bow to their idols or if you're going to stand up for what you believe in, in your God, the God of Israel. Sounds familiar. Nebuchadnezzar orders his chief of staff to, to, to handpick some of the strong, healthy, and good-looking men to be trained in the ways of Babylon and to be servants in the royal palace. And I'm looking around our congregation. Do we have any strong, young, healthy, good-looking men? I see a couple of hands. There's wives putting their man's hands down. No, it's not talking about you. Any volunteers? No? All right. And the chief of staff picks Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and gives them new Persian names as part of their in intended assimilation into Babylon. Here are the meanings of their names in Hebrew. Daniel's name in Hebrew, his original name, uh, means, back in Jerusalem, his name means God is my judge. Hananiah's name is Yahweh is gracious. Mishael's name is who is like our God. And Azariah's name is Yahweh will help. Now look at their new names in Persian. Daniel's called Belteshazzar, which he doesn't keep, he keeps his name Daniel, but I think if it was me, I'd be tempted. That's a great name. I am Belteshazzar. That's a, great, that's a manly name right there. It means um, God protect his life. He's named after Marduk, the god of creation and destiny. So that's what they did to Daniel. Shadrach, uh, this is Hananiah, I believe. It's named Shadrach, command of God, named after Aku, the moon god. This would be Mishael, named Meshach, who is like our God. So his name means the same as it did in Hebrew, and, but he's also named after Aku, this, this moon god. And then Azariah becomes Abednego, servant of God, and he's named after this, this cat here, Nabu, is another one of their small gods, the god of writing, who is the son of Marduk. So this is, this is what they've, they've done to them. And so 
It, you know, I don't know how you feel about that. It sounds okay until you remember that Babylon has many gods. It's a pagan, superstitious, spiritually broken culture. And it's a reminder to all of us this morning that you need, we need to stay true. You need to stay true to your identity in Jesus Christ. You have to, you have to hold on to and stay true to who you are in Jesus, even if the world tries to label you differently. Who you are in Christ is who you are. Let's look at verse 8. In verse 8, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. And it's just that, that first part that I really want us to focus on, that Daniel was determined not to defile himself. And this pretty much sums up the whole book, the purpose and the character of Daniel. Somehow, at such a young age, he's probably 15 or 16 years old, he, somehow this young boy, this young man, has the, the fortitude to obey his conscience more than his appetite. And my prayer this morning would be, God, help us to be a people who determine not to defile ourselves when, when temptation is wafting right under our noses like a barbecue in late January and you haven't had anything to eat for days. When it's, when it's just so tempting. Helped us, Moncton Wesleyan Church, to be a group of people who de determine, like Daniel, not to defile ourselves. Here he is. He's selected for temple duty. The king wants these boys looking like the best of the best of the very, very best. They've been dragged across the desert for 500 miles, probably took them at least a month or so to make the journey from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so they, they, they enter into these courts and there's all this food that, that they can eat, but it takes more than just a good-smelling barbecue to, to distract Daniel because he's committed He's committed to who he is in Christ. He's committed to, to what he was raised on, the law of Moses and the ways of his people and the commands of God, and, and he's just not going to defile himself. From the very beginning of this story, Daniel is willing to risk death to a foreign king in order to choose life with his eternal king. And we need to do the same. He knows that Many of these foods that they're offering him would have been, would have been uh, offered and sacrificed to foreign gods, to the pagan gods of Babylon. Not only would it mean forsaking his, his covenant with his God, it would be indirectly uh, like eating these foods that were offered up to these pagan gods. It would be like, almost like practicing that, that idol worship himself, and he's just, he's just not going to take any chances. When you find yourself drawn away from, from where you want to be in Jesus and the enemy presents you with a sweet-smelling, sweet-tasting, appetite-filling offer, you need to have a deep, burning, fresh, convicting fire of obedient love and devotion to Jesus that awakens your conscience and fills your, your spirit with the determination not to defile yourself. Amen. 
And there are a lot of sweet-smelling offers that you can run into out there in the run of a week. The chief of staff was worried that, uh, that it was a life-or-death situation. When Daniel says, you know, can we opt out and uh, can we eat differently? And the chief of staff's like, yeah, I might get beheaded. That's a bit of a, bit of a problem. And he was probably worried for Daniel's life too. And church, temptation is always a life or death proposition. It always is. We need a, a realistic view of what sin really is. And we don't, we don't like to talk about sin. Sin drove Jesus to the cross. How bad is sin? What is your sin worth? It drove the Son of God to the cross. And so temptation to do sin, it, it is a very real battle between your, your, your old carnal nature and who you used to be and your new forgiven nature in Jesus Christ. And every time that you are tempted, there's either going to be victory or defeat. That's what we're talking about. Sin is defeat. It's death. It denies the resurrection of Jesus, which, which the resurrection of Jesus declares victory over sin and hell and the grave. And so we, we need a, a fresh awakening, a reminder this morning of the seriousness of sin. It's not folly. It's death. Seeing sin as, as harmless or normal or everybody does it is a deceitful tactic of the enemy who wants to keep you on the blind edge of deception. That's what it is. So be careful. Satan wants you lukewarm or cold. And reality is that Jesus died for that junk so that you could live and break free from the chains of sin and walk in, in victory and not have to do that so you could walk and live in freedom. And when confronted by the small K kings of this world, you, like Daniel, can hold your ground and boldly say, I choose Jesus in that situation. I choose Jesus. Insert your name in verse 8, where it says, Daniel decided, he determined not to defile himself. Insert your name. I'm, I'm seeing you and I'm tempted. I'll just use your names. Insert Mark and insert Pat and insert Mike and insert Vicky and insert Amanda. Throw your names in there. Who else can I pick on? Over on this side. I don't know anybody on this side of the church. And in, Oh, I do. And insert Mary Lynn and insert Steve and insert those names that, that, that you, that Tim, make it personal, that Tim decided in that moment when the enemy was on him and all this temptation was coming at him and everything smelled good and everything looked good and everything seemed harmless and in that moment of temptation that I decided not to defile myself when I had a decision between life and death and right and wrong I chose Jesus in that situation I chose to live put your name in there I do know some people on this side of the church. It just, got, it just got blurry there for a second. After 10 days on just fruit and vegetables and water, they looked better than anyone else. And you would too. 
<laughs> Anybody feel a Daniel fast coming on? <laughs> Ten days, nothing but fruit and veggies and water and coffee is, it's got to be either a fruit or a veggie. <laughs> it's got to be one. It is a bean that falls from a plant. Come on now. What is it? Veggie? Fruit? Boiled bean juice. It's on the diet. All right. I'm not going on a diet that doesn't include coffee. I'm just saying that right now. So if we do the Daniel deal and I'm still tweeting about coffee, don't call me a sinner. All right. God. Oh, let's read verse 17. Let's put this up on the big. She's way ahead of me. Good job up there. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave, I want you to see the word gave, Daniel, special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. God gave the four of them an unusual and an abundant, a, a freakish aptitude to understand every aspect of the Babylonian literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel an extra special gift of interpretation to the meanings of visions and dreams. They might have had some wisdom and some knowledge on the front end of their journey when they were dragged out of Jerusalem 500 miles across the desert into Babylon. But now in this new season, it's clear that God has chosen to give them something more than what they had ever had before. God gave them more than they ever had before. When does God give us more than we ever had before? Not not just when we need it, not just when we're in the spotlight, not just when the pressure's on and it's life or death, not just when you're writing an exam and there's something on there that you don't even remember studying, you never even saw it before. God gave them more than they ever had before after after he found them faithful and trustworthy with what he had already given them. God found these guys to be trustworthy with, with the amount that he had already blessed them, blessed them with. They were making good decisions. They were honoring God with their lives, and so they get more. You see, what would have happened if the story was different and they, they arrive at Nebuchadnezzar's palace and like, whoa, check out the smorgasbord. Like, they want us to eat and eat all we can eat. And, and, and you know, what if they feasted on that stuff like, like a boys' hockey team at an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet? What if they'd eaten the pork and the, and the horse? Yeah. And, and who knows what other forbidden foods, foods that they were serving up and the wine that, that was most likely offered up to some sun god or something like that or a moon god. What if they had let their stomachs control their brains and and they had just given in? What if they thought, who will ever know? We're in Babylon. What happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. (laughs) Right? You know that what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. It stays with you. What if they thought, mom's not here. Who will ever know? What if they decided, hey, let's not offend the Babylonians. Let's not, let's not get in trouble. What if they played the same theological gymnastics as Satan played with Eve in the garden? 
And the very same temptation that happens to you and I every day, did God really say? Did God really say? Are you sure? Are you sure that's what he meant when he said, don't, don't touch that or don't eat that? Are you sure? What if they played those, those gymnastics? Come on, Daniel. Man, it smells so good. Everybody's doing it. Come on, Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar's reign only lasted 70 years. That's a, that's a blip in terms of history. That's how long Daniel and his friends and the other captives had to endure. 70 years. So your situation might, might seem not so bad uh, compared to that. If they had succumbed and caved and given in, that might have been the end of, of Israel as we know it. Your decisions have consequences. And it, it affects more than you. It affects your kids. It affects your future. It affects their future. It affects your relationships with God. And it, and it all starts with just a, just a whiff, just a sniff, just a nibble, just a, just a drink. And before you know it, you've gone too far and you've defiled yourself before God. God gives us more than ever before when we are faithful with what we already have. You get more faith by exercising the faith that you already have. You get more wisdom by practicing the wisdom that you already have. You get more patience by practicing the patience that you already have. Peace comes from trusting him more. Love comes from giving love to others. God is not cheap. He's lavish. He wants to pour these things out on his people. And when he finds us faithful and he finds us trustworthy in the small things, he gives us more. God gives us more. This is going to be corny, but it'll help you remember it. Cheese alert. God gives us more than ever before when we roar. When we roar, when we roar, when you resist, when you overcome, and when you refuse, God will give us more. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you. I thank you this morning again for the deep, beautiful truths of your word and how we can read Daniel's testimony, his account of his life and the decisions that he made. And it can speak to us so, so uh, powerfully. And so Lord, help us to not merely hear the word, but help us to be doers of the word and help us to, to be open with you this morning inviting your Holy Spirit to speak and, and, and bring this word deep into our lives that we might respond to your word with obedience and surrender. Oh Lord, we know that your word never returns void. And uh, so help us, help us to be a people who, like Daniel, determine not to defile ourselves. Help us to be a people when 
challenged by the, the small kings and the rulers of this world. Help us to be a people who, who daily say, I choose Jesus. He's my king. I will serve him and him alone. Help us, Lord, in, the, in those moments when we're, when we're pressured to make decisions between wrong and right. Help us to see it, the wrong, as, as death, as sin, as what Jesus died on the cross for, for our sins to free us from that junk. So, Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to leave here in glorious, wonderful freedom and victory in the strong, powerful name of Jesus Christ. I pray and ask these things. Lord, I also pray this morning for anyone who might be here that, that doesn't yet have a relationship with you. And uh, maybe, Lord, you've been speaking to them this morning. They feel your Holy Spirit pounding in their chest right now. Lord, I pray that you would give them the, the courage this morning to make life's most important decision to follow and serve you, to invite you to be Lord of their life, to trust you as their Savior today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to respond in singing about Jesus, our cornerstone. And I invite you to come forward if you want to uh, talk to Jesus about anything here this morning that he's uh, doing in your life. You want to respond and worship. I, we always invite you to come and uh, be at the front of the church as an altar of the Lord, as a place of consecration, as a place of full surrender. We invite you to come. You can stand and worship. You can kneel. You can pray. And, um, and then uh, I'll come back up, Farron, in a moment. And we're going to see if there's anyone here this morning who uh, wants, needs to, wants to decide to follow Jesus as their Savior. So don't leave yet. Uh, stay to the very end. And uh, the best seat in the house, remember, is not the seat at the restaurant. It's the seat at the feet of Jesus. All right, let's worship together.